You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. That music does get me ready for Seahawks football. I mean, how could it not? It is time for another edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. John, with the extra days off last weekend, did you do anything fun? Depends on how you define fun. I mean, we, <laughs> we cleaned out our garage. We sorted through a bunch of bins of children's clothing. Um I mean, some good family time. I, there was some fun family time, but it was a lot of uh, getting stuff done around the house and need to get done. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say not a single person thinks that that sounds like it, fun. Yeah, like, I don't think anybody defines fun. There might like be that. somebody who so, is really into organizing. I, I don't know. That is true. That is true. I'm hoping yeah, you had I'm, more fun. I had me. a little... I had a little getaway over to Leavenworth, uh, drank a little bit of wine. Lovely. Saw a lot of Seahawks fans over there. Lots of Mariners fans, lots of Kraken fans, Seattle sports. Woo, we got a lot going on right now. It's great. But the thing that we need to talk about that is foremost on our radar is the matchup on Sunday against Pittsburgh. John, look, coming out of last week's game against the Rams, I don't know that you would have expected to have two, two and three teams playing each other this week. And I hate to say it yet again, but there is an element of you have to win games. You have to now start putting some wins together just to keep pace with what's going on in the division. Oh yeah. I mean, they're already pretty, they've dug themselves a pretty good hole because they've had their struggles and we've seen a lot of other teams in division, most notably the Rams and Cardinals have a lot of success. So you know, as Pete Carroll's going to tell you, it's a long season. They've got a lot of games left to, to get on track, but it's obviously not an ideal start when you're sending two and three and, and there's an unbeaten team and a four and one team on top of your division. Well, and the team is going to have to show a lot of resiliency. We know that the Seahawks can do this. This is the way that they are built, but it looks like the odds are stacked against them even more with the injury to Russell Wilson. Geno Smith will take over. We saw him come into the game. John, before I get your thoughts, let's get Pete Carroll's thoughts on what Geno brings to the offense. Well, I was really pleased that, that he was able to go out on the field the other night and, and, uh, and play so well and be on it, um, you know, because he hadn't had many opportunities. And not that that was a surprise. I was just pleased for him and, and happy for us, knowing that we need him, you know. And so uh, Geno's got a real good uh, – position on this team you know he, he has been uh, highly thought of by the organization by his teammates um, and obviously the fans responded too you know and uh, we're grateful that, that he's been with us and so now that it's his time and his chance to do this and help his club you know I couldn't be more excited for him and uh, he's going to be really tuned in he's got he, he's really smart their scheme and system and all of that really sharp in the huddle at the line of scrimmage all that kind of stuff he's really good at so you know he gives himself every chance to to be, you know, have a good performance and help us win. Being the backup to Russell Wilson can be a pretty thankless job. You basically never get to play. We've, you know, we if you haven't been out at practice like we have over the last couple of years, you have no idea what Geno Smith is as a player because he hasn't been a starter since early in his career. And, you know, a couple of us who've been watching practice have been telling people, like, look, this guy's pretty good. He can sling it and 
he he's a pretty good player. So to see him get a shot and come through like he did was it was really cool for him, even though the the game didn't end the way they wanted it to. Well, in talking to people inside the organization, Pete is not the only one who was pleased that Gino came in and that he did a good job. You know, he is bought in. You mentioned it's a thankless job. Of course, Gino still thinks that he can play and be a starter, right? He wouldn't be in the league if he wasn't. That is a really humbling position to be in. He has made just two starts since losing his starting job with the Jets at the end of 2014. I thought this was kind of interesting, John, in, in, in a very just not funny way. But the last start that Gino made ended Eli Manning's streak of 210 yep. consecutive starts. That's that was with the Giants in 2017. This start ends Russell Wilson's streak, which is currently the longest in the NFL. So not really like what you want to be known for. I just thought as I was just making a, notes, an odd piece of trivia. Yes, it, that is an odd piece of well, trivia. Well, he pointed this out. He also backed up Philip Rivers. I mean, that's yes. three of the most durable quarterbacks of this era. So he's. He's had to wait a long time for this, so I, I'm excited to see what he can do. And, you know, as Pete Carroll said, he's he played really well, and I, everybody in this building has a lot of confidence that he can go out and operate well. Well, and look, they are essentially at the same part of the offense, and I'm not comparing Geno to Russell at all, right? They are completely different quarterbacks, but they have had the exact same amount of time in this new offensive scheme. And what we have seen from this scheme, at least in the Rams, is it can be run effectively by multiple quarterbacks with different skill sets. So I think in some ways, you know, it's not like, oh, this is a scheme that he's never done before, but Russell's done it for 10 years. I do think that the playing field is a little bit more even. There's a lot of options with this offense that Geno can take. Yeah, and I mean, we saw it in his brief appearance on Thursday. Of You know, he was hitting the tight end. He's obviously going DK Metcalf because you're a fool if you don't throw to DK Metcalf. But uh, yeah, I mean, he did a really good job of finding the open man in that game. And now you think about it, you come into that situation, you don't get those reps all week. You're, uh, you're starting at the two-yard line with the team trailing by two scores and needing a good drive. So this week he gets all the starters reps, he gets a full week to prepare as a starter. That's going to help him a lot. Well, and it's going to be interesting because one of the things that Pittsburgh has struggled with this year are those big plays yeah. downfield. Now, they did unveil a new dime package last week against Denver that ended up with having three of their best pass rushers on the field. So that helped keep the run game in check, but it also helped to hold the Broncos to two of 12 on third downs. What have you been seeing about what Pittsburgh's doing? And look, third down is an area that the Seahawks have got to get better at, regardless of who they're playing. Yeah, I mean, you you just touched on it. It's one of the things that really stands out is the big pass plays they've been giving up. Their their pass rush has not been, you know, they're known as, you know, all the crazy blitzes and getting after quarterbacks, and they still have the talent to do that, obviously led by Watt, but they haven't quite been as productive in the past. And on the back end, they've been giving up some big plays. They've, they've given up three touchdowns, 34, 39, and 61 yards in the last few games. So there's opportunity there for Geno Smith and obviously his weapons, Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson to to test them downfield and, and put some pressure on that defense. What do you make of which one of those guys needs to get more involved? Cause I have seen guys and I shouldn't say guys, I have seen fans talk about, man, it's a bummer that Lockett's not more involved, but then you had DK going off a little bit the last couple of weeks, which one needs to be getting more touches, or maybe we should just say who should be getting more involved in this offense. It's tough to say. I mean, it has definitely shifted. It was so much Tyler Lockett the first two games and then DK Metcalf's been, more involved, but uh, you know, you also have to look at Tyler Lockett was just uh, inches away from a huge game last week. He, he gets tackled on that deep ball that he would have probably scored on. And then the play, unfortunately where Russell Wilson got hurt that 
the pressure made excuse me the pressure made Russ rush that throw a little bit and then you know he obviously he gets hit by Aaron Donald and doesn't get to follow through on the throw and it maybe doesn't come out quite right but that ball I mean that was a huge play too if the ball's just up in the air a little bit longer and Tyler can run into it so it's not like they're ignoring Tyler Lockett it's not like he's not getting open I you know who need to be I don't think it needs to be one guy or the other but I you know I'm sure Geno Smith would love to get both those guys the ball plenty of times well, I also think that there's room for that running game to get more involved. So we've seen Alex Collins have some nice games. Chris Carson missed last week's game with a neck injury. It sounds like he is on track to be able to play on Sunday. But think about how much that would alleviate things if the running game was going. And again, you've got a Pittsburgh team that defensively is at the bottom of the the list when it comes to defensive rankings, you would think that there's some opportunities. Yeah, I know they got big guys up front, but you would think that there would be some opportunities there. Yeah, for sure. And you, you know, you just touched on it, but that would be such a huge help to Geno Smith is get that run game going. You know, obviously we hope to see Chris Carson back this week, but we don't know that what his status is yet. But yeah, I mean, make things easy on Geno Smith, get, you know, get the running game going, get some of these easy pass completions and, make his life a little easier so there's not all this pressure to go out and make crazy plays. Meanwhile, Ben Roethlisberger's life has not been his best this year. Let's just say that. He he has come under fire in Pittsburgh. Local media there has already proclaimed it the end of the Big Ben era. We're five weeks into the season, so I can't imagine what conversations are like at his dinner table. I do know how Pete Carroll feels about Ben and where he's at in his career. The emphasis of the, the ball coming out so fast is, is really evident. The ball really comes out. I, nobody gets rid of the football faster. We said that about, I think, the Niners a couple of weeks ago. These guys are faster at this point. And that means that he's, you know, he, you can't fool him. You know, he, when stuff is happening or you're pressuring or you're coming at him, he knows it. He knows everything that's going on, in the, and he just does not let you get to him. So, And their offense is really designed to utilize his decision making to spread the ball around the field uh, mix their runs and passes and all that stuff that goes along with that uh, that is includes a lot of quick perimeter stuff and so he's really good at doing that and he can strike you dead he's still throwing deep balls right on the money and so um, he's got a nice crew with him and, and with with Najib in there to hammer the football it makes them for a nice mix on their offense now the second you as a team start thinking an opponent is cooked or done or whatever, you're in trouble. So, look, they have to prepare as if they're getting the best version of him. As Bobby Wagner noted, he's not going to be as mobile as he used to be, and that was a big part of his game. He's never a fast, you know, going, breaking big runs, but his pocket movement, you know, making guys fall off him, some of that's out of his game now. But it, there is something to that knowledge when you've been playing that long that even if you're physically not where you used to be, that you can make things happen. And to Pete Carroll's point also, he gets the ball out fast, so it's hard to pressure him. Well, he's had to because yeah. they've remade that offensive line and that O-line is not protecting, right? And one of the reasons that Ben has been one of the hardest quarterbacks to sack is he is huge. Yeah, I mean, like if you stand next to him, he is a mountain of a man. So he can have a couple of defenders hanging off of him and stand strong and at least get the ball out so it doesn't go down as a sack. That's not happening anymore when you're getting pressure all over because your offensive line, it, it just, it can't hold up right now. Yeah, I mean, that's we've seen that problem at times over the years here where if you're not protecting your quarterback, it's hard to function as an offense. And, you know, they're trying to make up for it on their end by getting the ball out. But, yeah, it'd, it'd be great to see that Seahawks pass rush get going. You know, they started the season pretty strong in Indy, and it's cooled off since. So get that pass rush going and make him make some mistakes. What is missing from that Seahawks pass rush? Because I keep getting that question, and 
I don't have a great answer because the talent that's there should be able to get there. And let me point out that Ben Roethlisberger has been sacked 11 times already. That's after getting sacked 13 times last year in 15 games, right? So so there's a definite opportunity if you look at what teams have been able to do so far. Yeah, and I don't think it's, a, a, as you said, it's not a lack of talent. I think the two big issues are they've been having some trouble in coverage, and if guys are getting open, it's easy for a quarterback to get rid of the ball and not have to hold it. A lot of, a lot of sacks happen because the quarterback's holding the ball because he doesn't see anybody open. And also, you've played a couple offenses that are just good at getting the ball out fast, most notably San Francisco and Minnesota. Those are two teams and two quarterbacks known for that. Well, and you wonder, though, how injuries to wide receiver are going to affect Ben and the Steelers and what that does to the Seahawks coverage. We'll get a little bit to that Seahawks secondary in just a minute. But Juju's out. Juju Smith-Schuster is out. And the four wide receivers that could possibly replace him, they have all dealt with some sort of injury and missed time already this year. So that's not a given. You might see more of the running back this week, but they ranked dead last in the run game going into last week's game against Denver. I don't know what, I guess, I guess what I'm saying, John, is I don't know what they're going to do. And I think that might scare me more. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to think you're going to lean on the running back. Najee Harris is having a really good season. I know their overall rushing numbers aren't that great, but he's been really good this year. He, coming off his first hundred yard game. He also has a hundred yard receiving game already. So I think this is a, a team that, you know, we've seen a few of these this year already, most notably Tennessee and Minnesota, but teams that really, you know, their offense runs through the running back and they seem to be shifting that way with Harris. Yeah, in fact, uh, you would think that that is absolutely going to be the case, especially when you look at how much they have relied on the passing game. And Juju, no wide receiver has played in the slot more than he has this year. That's not going to be an option, which I think changes things a little bit for the focus of Seattle secondary, which has changed yet again. John, we made a note back in August how many different moves that Seattle had made at cornerback, those are still continuing with the news that Trey Flowers was released this week. Pete Carroll had this to say about the former corner. I think it was time for a change for him as well. You know, he, he had a couple of guys that are getting some play time ahead of him. And uh, I love that guy. You know, I love the kid. And, and I've been working with him as close as anybody I've worked with since I've been here. And, um, and I, I, I feel it's better for him to get out of here and get going again. There's a lot of teams that need corners, and, and I hope he gets a great shot. Yeah, you know, it's it's unfortunate for Trey that it didn't work out. His career started off pretty promising as, you know, that safety convert went in the job right away, and he had he did have a great camp. He, he earned that starting spot, but as Pete Carroll said, it just it didn't really carry over like the way they wanted it to into the regular season. So this is probably best for him. If, if he's going to be a backup here and they don't really see him starting all year, just go get a fresh start somewhere else. Hopefully, you know, there are some quarterback needy teams, as Pete Carroll said, and hopefully somebody picks him up and he gets a chance to play because really good kid. I'd love to see him land on his feet. It's just, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. And in this case, it didn't work out here. It certainly was not for lack of effort or lack of studying either. I think he looked at film. I've mentioned this more than once. He looked at film more than anybody else that I ever yeah. saw in that locker room. He was one of 10 cornerbacks on the roster for that first preseason game against the Raider. Just three of those 10 remain. You've got DJ Reed, you've got Trey Brown, and you've got a member of the practice squad. Speaking of Trey Brown, the Seahawks lose one Trey and Flowers. It looks like they are getting another Trey back. One of their draft picks and Pete Carroll says he's about ready to go. This is going to be a, a real week for him. Last week was the, you know, the 
partial week. Um, I've already talked to him about this is the time he comes back to action and, and let's see if he can return to the, the level of play. When he got hurt, um, he was right at the verge of, of competing to be, you know, in playtime. He done a lot of positive things, and unfortunately, his, his knee acted up, and he couldn't, you know, couldn't respond right then. But uh, so I'm going back to where he was, and I, like I said to him today, let's let's pick up where you left off and show us that you got your stuff together, and and let's see where that leaves you in the competition of it. So um, he'll be battling, but he's he's full go and ready to go. As Pete just alluded to, going back to training camp right before he got hurt that week, we were starting to see him mix in in the first team defense at left cornerback, and it was kind of one of those. Oh, hey, this kid's, you know, this is legit. He's in the competition. And then, unfortunately for him, he gets hurt. They they move some guys around. They kind of change the way they did that. So, you know, I don't think it's realistic he comes in and starts his first week back, but he's he is in the competition, and we'll see. Now, my big question is, is Pete Carroll going to be comfortable with two 5'9", 5'10", cornerbacks out there if that's how it shakes out? Or is it is he competing with DJ Reed? I don't know. We'll see how it all goes, but I'd be curious to see how this plays out. You know what? That's really interesting. And that is what absolutely stood out about those two playing together in training camp. The other thing that stood out it to me about Trey Brown, he is fast and yeah. he is physical. He is not afraid to stick his nose in there. But to your point, that is not the typical uh, profile for a cornerback that Pete Carroll likes in the system. Now, I wonder, John, if some of that gets mitigated, if you end up playing a little bit more nickel or dime and you slide Marquise Blair in there, we see Ryan Neal a little bit more. Yeah. We did not see a lot of Ryan Ryan Neal last week against the Rams, but I wonder if that changes just some of those specialty packages a little bit. Could be, yeah. If you're if you're playing more dime and you got a couple big defensive backs and Neal and Blair out there, maybe maybe that mitigates it. But you're still going to get those matchups on the outside where you know, like this week, Chase Claypool, six four, two hundred and thirty some pound dude, and that's that's a tough ask for a five nine five ten guy. But ultimately, both those guys are aggressive. They play bigger than their size. And at the end of the day, it, it's better to be tight in coverage and have to fight a bigger guy for the ball than to not be covering the guy closely. So the, yeah. being able to cover the guys and run the defense right is going to win out. Yeah, and I do wonder, because this is a week where you would have done a lot of self-scouting, right? The mini mm. buy. I do wonder what kind of changes we see, because we have seen all sorts of different things with that secondary playing what seems like a long way off of guys. We saw that coverage tighten up just a little bit a couple of weeks ago. And then against the Rams, still too many crossing routes, too many things that were open deep. Um, so I wonder what the self scouting is going to reveal and how much of a change we're going to see really on both sides of the ball. Cause there, there are things there to make adjustments on. Oh, for sure. And that's, I mean, you keep hearing the guys on defense talk about this. It's not some huge fundamental. They don't know what they're doing. It's just, they're not executing pretty basic stuff right that they know they can fix because they've done it right at times and they've done it right in the past so it's you know as Bobby Wagner said if you don't fix it teams are going to keep doing it to you because it's a copycat league and if you can't figure out those things that the Rams and Vikings kept exploiting then you're going to keep getting hit with it so this is a big test for that defense to kind of start getting right and maybe rise to that challenge a little bit with no Russell Wilson out there. Last thing before we get to the two things we need to see from the Seahawks this week, how much of a test do you think this is for Russell Wilson? Oh, it's just tough in not him. being able to be out there in the normal way that he would be. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of why we saw him out there at the beginning of practice, warming up. He had his helmet on, he had his cleats on. I, I think he's missing every rep. He's not out there and it's, it's just so unusual for him. So it's it's a tough challenge for him, but I'm sure he's looking ways to get better from it, maybe just seeing the game differently, all that. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure this is killing him because he's never been in this situation.
No. And if I was going to take that one step further and look for another silver lining, fresh legs when he does come back. I mean, there is something to be said for that. I know that I would rather he just play all the games and just have to suck it up. But, you know, if I'm looking for a silver lining, maybe we can count that. Sure. We'll go with that. Okay. How about if we go with this? The two things that you need to see for the Seahawks to come out with a win on Pittsburgh, what would they be? All right. Pete Carroll's not going to like this, but I want the Uh offense to start fast. I know he's all about finishing, which I get. You can't win the game in the first quarter. But when you have a backup quarterback who's making his first start in four years, I think it'll make things a lot easier on everybody if they can go out in the first quarter. They don't need to score three touchdowns or anything, but move the ball successfully, score a couple times, just get him calm, comfortable, get the offense all kind of rallying around him. I think that would just go a long way to both making life easier on Gino and that offense and also maybe take a little pressure on the defense, which is probably feeling like, hey, we got to step up and, and make up for this lack of Russell Wilson a little bit and clean up our own stuff. Uh, for the defense, you talked about earlier the the pass rush and Ben Roethlisberger. Teams have been getting to them. Let keep that keep that streak going of getting to Ben Roethlisberger. Get the pass rush back on track. You know, Pete Carroll said Darryl Taylor's going to play more this week. Hopefully, he can keep going, and he's already got four sacks. So let's say uh, three sacks and or eight or more quarterback hits. I'd love to see both. I'm going to go with zeros. Cause you just took my defense. So I'm going to go with zeros uh, for the Seahawks when it comes to turnovers, yeah. right? I don't want to see the Seahawks turn the ball over. It was a little sloppy last week. That's another thing that's going to kill a backup quarterback in an offense. Um, I would also like to see on the flip side of this, I would like the defense to come up with at least two turnovers. Because Pittsburgh has given the ball away six times for those interceptions by Ben Roethlisberger. If he is limited with some of those wide receiving options or maybe just gets a couple of hits, um, that would be that would be okay with me. Yeah. So I'm just going to uh, get turnovers. 2 nothing yeah. in the turnover battle. That helps a lot. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're into that sort of thing. If you play the odds and the probability, sure, you know. (laughs) We will see how that plays out. We'll see how the Seahawks fare in Pittsburgh. And we will be back with you next week for another edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. 